Hey, uh, why don't we go ahead and open our Bibles this morning. We're going to be opening up to Galatians chapter 5. That's in the New Testament. Galatians chapter 5. And I encourage you to. Um, one of the things that makes TFRC TFRC is that we open this book together and we study this book together. If you're like, uh, I forgot mine, uh, go ahead and pull out your phone and Google it. Like Google actually works. It's amazing. You can just Google Galatians chapter 5. It'll pop right up and you can follow along this morning um, as well. Right, we're continuing our series this morning that we're calling Bedrock. Bedrock. Um, and in this series, we're exploring some of the bedrock beliefs of the Christian faith. Um, in our culture today, probably more so now than since like ancient Rome or something like that, there is a buffet of beliefs for us to choose from. We can pick and choose which beliefs from which religions. We can put it all together. We can twist them. We can turn them. We can do what we want with them. And that means that today, perhaps now more so than really any time in the past, it matters very importantly that you know what to believe and what we believe as followers of Jesus. And so that's what this series um, is all about. Now in this series, as sort of a roadmap, We've been using a 500-year-old statement of belief that came out of the Reformation. Um, and that 500-year-old statement of belief looks like this. It should be on the screen for you. Listen to this. It says, Scripture alone teaches that salvation comes from Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, all for the glory of God alone. There are five alones in that statement, if you were paying attention. And over the last few weeks, we've covered the first three of them. We've covered Scripture alone and Christ alone and grace alone. And this morning, we're going to take a look at the fourth one. That is faith alone. And what's fun, to me at least, about faith alone on a day like this is today, later on in the service, there's going to be over 30 people that profess their faith alone in Jesus alone. And so it makes so much sense that we'd be talking about faith this morning. I'm really excited about that. And so, hey, why don't we just get to the Word and read the Scripture this morning. Like I said, our Scripture reading is found in Galatians chapter 5. Open up with me if you can. And we're going to start in verse 2 this morning. Um, our Scripture reader this morning is John Lord. John, you can head on up. And what we do here, church, is we stand and we face the center of the room as God's word is read. It is elevated above us and it is central in the room. Those are two important things to pay attention to as we do this every single week. So, John, when you're ready, take it away. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Thank you, John. You all may take a seat. Have you ever had that terrible feeling that something's missing in your life? 
Have you ever had that feeling? You know, you know what I'm talking about, actually. Um, there's that feeling, and you sort of can't put your finger on what exactly it is that you're feeling, but there's that feeling that something is just off in your life, like something is missing inside of you. Perhaps you, you've experienced this before. Um, that feeling of something missing is something that I experience every single time I travel, like every single time I travel. I travel and I meticulously pack my bags when I'm traveling because if I do not, there's always something that's vital that is missing out of my luggage. I don't know if any of you have had this experience before. And so I meticulously, to ensure that doesn't happen, I pack my t-shirts and I pack my pants and my socks and toiletries, toothpaste, all of that kind of stuff. And if it's a business meeting, I am sure to pack my notepad and my computer and pens and all the stuff you'd need for a business meeting. And every single time that I travel, I always bring my Bible along, so i got to make sure that makes it into my luggage as well. And then there's that moment. I'm pulling away from the driveway And the feeling sinks in. You know this feeling, right? Like, ugh, I feel like I'm missing something. Like, I don't know what it is. I've done all the packing, and I don't know. But I feel like I'm missing something. And then, sure enough, there's that moment. You get to the hotel room that night after a long day of travel. You zip open your luggage. You open it up, and boom, no underwear. Have you had this experience? You're like, how did I miss of all things? It happens to the best of us. In fact, On virtually every trip I think I've ever been on, I always forget something. It's amazing. I've forgotten underwear. That's true. Got to come out. Um, I have forgotten toothpaste. I've forgotten toothbrushes. I've forgotten undershirts. I have even forgot to pack extra changes of pants. Like, I don't know what that's all about, but I have. Somehow, I always forget something. Am I the only one that has that that experience traveling? Maybe. I, I hope so. Somebody said yes. I love that. Now, uh, that feeling of missing something that we experience, perhaps when we travel sometimes, it goes a lot deeper than traveling in our luggage, right? That feeling of missing something. Like there's something in all of us, and there's those moments where we feel it more than other moments, where we feel like Fundamentally, there is something missing in our lives, like something is off, something is not right in our lives, like there's this hole in us and it's really really confusing to figure out what in the world that is, like why does that exist, like something's not right with me. And it's hard to pin down, like what is that, like what is that feeling of missing something that I walk around with in life, right? We all have this experience, it's a universal experience for all of us. And there are glimmers in our lives where that feeling kind of pops up, right? Like there's that moment where you catch yourself in the mirror and you see yourself and you see all the flaws with yourself and then that feeling arises, right? Like something's not right, something's missing here. Or there's that moment where you reflect on a behavior or a lifestyle or you've achieved all these things and you get to the end of it and you're like, but it's, but it's still there. Like that thing is still there. It's missing inside of me. You know, there was a pastor 1,600 years ago that reflected on that feeling of missing something that we all have and we all carry around with us. That pastor's name 1,600 years ago, his name was Augustine. And listen to how Augustine tries to explain that feeling in us of, of missing something. Listen to this. He says this. He says, Every man 
whatsoever his condition, desires to be happy. Happy. There is no man who does not desire this. And each one desires it with such earnestness that he prefers it to all other things. Whoever, in fact, desires other things desires them for this end alone, this end of happiness that Augustine talks about. Augustine, an ancient pastor of the church, says the best word he can come up with to describe this thing that's missing inside of us is the word happy. Happiness. It's missing in our lives. We all experience this, right? We experience this like life is just not quite happy like I wanted it to be. Life is not content like I feel like it should be. I mean, if you have your Bibles, the Apostle Paul, he actually uses another word to talk about this feeling of missing something. It's in our scripture reading this morning. If you have your Bible, open up to Galatians 5 and then take a look at verse 5. Galatians 5, 5. And listen to how Paul talks about this feeling of missing something, right? He says, For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For through the Spirit we eagerly await what? Righteousness, Paul says. We eagerly await righteousness. Righteousness, says Paul, like that's that feeling, like we want righteousness in our lives, and it's missing somehow in us. You know, another way of saying that is that we all long for our lives to be com made completely right. And you know what I'm talking about. There's something about our lives, and we see all the things that are wrong with it, and, and something in us says, this is not how it's supposed to be. My life is supposed to be right. It's supposed to be as it should be. It's supposed to be ideal. Like, why isn't all of that true for me? We know what Paul is talking about here because we all experience it. You know, there's that moment in our lives where, where we just finally achieved that thing and it was so much work and it was so much anxiety to get to that thing and we finally achieve it and the result of that, at least for a brief moment, is a feeling of peace that arises in us, right? Like, ah, oh, like everything's, everything's okay now, right? It, it, it's good now. That's that missingness that Paul talks about. Or there's that moment where in high school you studied for that exam, you put all your effort into it, and your anxiety level as you studied for it continued to rise, right? Like, oh man, I need to get a good grade on this, and I'm studying hard for it, and I need to get a good grade on this. And then there's the moment of the exam, we take the exam, and we wait for the letter grade, and finally the letter grade comes, and we get the grade, and it says A, right? Oh, we aced it. What's that feeling like? It's like, Oh, finally. Well, that's, that's happiness. That's righteousness, as Paul would put it. Happiness and righteousness, two ways of getting at the feeling of missing something inside of us. And you know, every single one of us, it doesn't matter who we are, we spend a massive portion of our lives trying to figure out how to fill that sense of missingness in our lives, don't we? In fact, the Apostle Paul in our passage, he names two ways or two strategies for how we go after that happiness, that righteousness that we so long for. If you have your Bible, open back up to Galatians 5 a second and just scan through Galatians 5, 2 through 6, and you'll see a couple words pop up. 
Uh, the first one is the word circumcision. All the guys shivered in the room. I get it, right? Circumcision. And if you scan toward the end of the passage, toward verse 6, you see the word uncircumcision pop up. And you see circumcision and uncircumcision are simply two metaphors or examples that represent two different strategies for being in the world and trying to fill this hole that happens to be in us, this missingness in our lives. Um, circumcision would simply be a shorthand way of saying religious rule followers for Paul. There's the circumcised people, and then there's the not circumcised people. There's the religious people, and then there's the not religious people. And who are the circumcised for Paul? Well, for Paul, they're the rule-following Jews of his day, right? In Paul's day, the Jews' primary focus in life was following the Jewish rules and following the Jewish rules perfectly. You gotta get it right. It was a high value for Jews at the time. And it was amazing to me the lengths that the Jews of Paul's day would go to ensure that they were following all the religious rules. Right, the religious rules of, of the Jewish people was the law, right, the law of the Old Testament, like 613 uh, commands or rules in the Old Testament. And the Jews took that so intensely that they wrote a whole other book of laws and rules to help us follow the, law, the 613 laws and rules, right? Like they took it really, really seriously. They had a whole book. It was called the Talmud. It says, follow these rules so that you can follow these rules. It was a really big deal at the time. Now, what was the point? Like why? Why be so obsessed with the rules? Because the rules aren't bad. You know, I hope all of us in the room would affirm, like, the Ten Commandments are a good thing, right? Like, hopefully one of you is like, murder's not bad. Like, I don't get that. Like, I don't understand why it's bad. No, we all, like, we want to follow the rules because the rules are good. But these people were obsessed with them, obsessed with following the rules because they believed that if they could just follow the rules well enough, they would finally enter into that righteousness and that happiness that they so longed for in their lives. Which, by the way, the Jews of the day, they never seem to be able to do. Literally, this entire book is a whole book about how the Jews continually failed that endeavor again and again and again, right? You know, another way to say this is that the Jews of Paul's day believed that they had to perform their way toward righteousness or happiness. They had to perform their way to righteousness and happiness. Now, to be honest, not much has changed for so many of us. Not, if you identify as a follower of Jesus and you're in this space, there's a good chance that not much has changed for much of us. Many of us, we live and breathe our lives toward this righteousness thing. We, we follow the rules the best we can in the hopes that we will be righteous and God will see that righteousness, right? In order to find a level of happiness and righteousness in our lives, we do everything we can to follow all the religious rules and to do it well. And if we do it well, we feel like, man, then I'll be happy. Then I'll be righteous. Like life will be good if I can just get the rules down. You know what I'm talking about. You know, don't look at your spouse when I say this because you're going to start a fight. I'm just saying this before I get there. Um, there are those of us who live our lives by a million tiny rules. You know what I'm talking about? 
A million tiny rules. Like there are rules for everything. You can't even load the dishwasher a certain way without breaking the rules. You know what I'm talking about. There's bitterness. You're hearing that. I'm just kidding. There are those of us who we place a high value on morality, right? Like I do not swear. I do not drink. I tithe my 10% and I do it dutifully. When I have a chance to give at a fundraiser, I always give at the fundraiser because it's the right thing to do. It's the rules. Like, that's what God demands of me. That's how it works. We believe that if we can check off enough boxes in our lives, right, enough rules of righteousness, if we can follow enough of them, then maybe, just maybe, God will be happy with us and grant us that righteousness or happiness in our lives, right? And the problem is, that's never how it seems to go for religious rule following. It doesn't. Because there's that inevitable moment in our lives where we break the rules. And it always happens. We always break the rules. Always. We can't do it. We, we can't not break the rules, in a sense. And when that happens, it's devastating for us if we're a religious rule follower type. It's it. It takes everything out of us when we break the rules, when we have failed, when we got it wrong. Some of us, we can't even come to grips with that. So instead of just breaking the rules and saying, yeah, I broke the rules, some of us are like, no, 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 I'm going to rationalize away the reason why I didn't actually break the rules. See, I'm good. Like, I'm clean still. I'm good. I'm still righteous. You know, then there's this other group that Paul speaks of in our passage. In verse 6, he says, the uncircumcised. And if the circumcised is shorthand for the religious rule follower in Paul's day, the uncircumcised would be shorthand for the non-religious person, right? The, the opposite of the religious person. And the best way to sum up the non-religious person is that they're the kind of person that believes that happiness and righteousness comes through pleasing ourselves and pleasing ourselves alone. Like if we can feed ourselves enough stuff, we can fill that hole in us. And then one day if we fed it enough, well, it'll be full and we'll be good and we'll be happy and we'll be righteous and we'll be content and everything will be good. And so if this is us, man, we try to experience the life at its fullest, right? We go on all the road trips. We buy the nicest cars. We eat all the best food. We build the best home. We do the whole thing. We have all the tech, right? Because if we do all of those things, maybe it will fill that thing that seems to be missing inside of us. We will feed ourselves anything and everything to find that happiness in life. You know, if the religious rule follower, the religious person is a rule follower, then the non-religious person would be a, a rule breaker, right? Because if you're one of those, the non-religious types, you can't have rules. You can't have things restricting you in your life. Because if you do that, that's a barrier to my happiness. That's a barrier to my righteousness. I can't have any rules in my life. It's all about my happiness. It's all about my righteousness. And yet, at some point, if you're one of those people, the non-religious, at some point, there's the realization that the stuff I'm feeding myself to try to fill that hole in me isn't enough. Like, it's not working out. And so we change careers. I, I, got, I need to do a new career, and then maybe I'll get it. But we sell that car, we, we buy this one. We gotta build a new house. 
You know, this marriage isn't quite working out for me. I'm not happy in it. I need to move on to another one. And then maybe finally I'll find that happiness that I'm looking for, right? It's something that we do. You know, some of us were like, we're going to, we got all the things. And now in order to fill that hole, like I'm going minimalist, I'm building a tiny house, you know? Like, and then I will be happy finally. I'll be fulfilled. I'll be righteous. And yet inevitably, we find that even that doesn't give us what we want. It doesn't. Some of us this morning were sitting in a, a church building, and I would guarantee that the rule of your life is that non-religious rule, feed, 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 and then maybe I'll find happiness along the way. Church, religious rule following will never bring you happiness and it will never bring you righteousness. It won't. In church, feeding ourselves, consuming, consuming, taking it all in, taking life by the horns and, and taking all of it and having all the experiences, it will not either. You will not find happiness, nor will you find righteousness in that. In fact, the scriptures say there is nothing we can do there's nothing we can do to fill that void, that missingness in us. Nothing. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, Paul tells us in Galatians 5. If you have your Bible, open back up to Galatians 5 and look at verse 6 and 7 here a second. And listen to this. Listen to how Paul talks about this. He says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision, religious rule following, right, nor uncircumcision, feeding ourselves, filling ourselves, has any value, Paul says. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts, Paul says, is faith. It's faith. Faith alone. That's it. Alone means only, like only faith. That's it. And faith in what? Well, faith in the faithful risen Jesus. Faithful to the Jesus that went to a cross and died because he wanted to be faithful to us first, was willing to die because he was faithful to us. Faith in that Jesus. Faith in the Jesus that would die on a cross, get buried in the ground, and would be resurrected from the dead. And why would Jesus be resurrected from the dead? Like, what's the point of that? It's so that we can experience a fullness, that happiness, that righteousness that we all long for, that, that God would fill it in Jesus. Faith in that Jesus. That's the only faith we choose. Faith in a Jesus that will permanently fill that hole in us that we bump into from time to time in our lives. Friends, faith alone in Jesus alone is the only way to find your true happiness. It, it's the only way to find that rightness of your life that you long for. That's it. There's no other way to do it. And Jesus is longing for that from you. Like, just believe in me. 
believe in me and be filled, Jesus says. Um, Perhaps this morning, as we've talked about faith alone, in Jesus alone, and and as you've got to witness 30 people profess that, faith alone in Jesus alone, perhaps this morning, you feel like God is calling you to something more. Perhaps. You know, maybe if you were to examine your life, you might say, I've been living the religious rule follower life. Like, that's been me. I'm the rule follower. Follow the rules. Follow the best I can so that I can find that righteousness that I look for. Like, maybe that's you this morning. And and maybe that's you this morning and you're like, but it's not working anymore. Like, it's just not working. I'm trying and I'm failing and it's just not working. Maybe, Maybe you're here this morning and you look a lot like that non-religious, feed myself, fill myself type person. You've been busy trying to feed yourself with all the stuff of life to find that happiness, that contentment that you look for in life. And maybe this morning you're in that moment where you're like, it's not working anymore. Like I've tried, I've done the things and I've come up empty. Like I, I, what do I do with that? Maybe you're still hungry after all the stuff of life you've taken in. You know, we all have that feeling that something is missing in us. It's how sin works. Something's missing in us. You know, there's this long sermon um, in the gospel according to Matthew. And that sermon's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's probably familiar to a lot of you. Um, and in it, Jesus lists all of these blesseds, like blessed be the, blessed be the, ble-. you know, you hear this many, many times. And there's one particular one that I think fits this moment so well, so well. It's Matthew 5, 4. And, and when you read it, you might be like, I don't, I don't see how that fits. It, it does. I'll show you. L- listen to Matthew 5, 4. It says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, at first, we might think like, yeah, the, you know, mourning, I get that. Like, it's, it's the loss of a friend. Um, it's the loss of a family member. Or maybe it's the loss of more. It's the loss of a, a parent, more specifically. Or maybe it's, it's the loss of a job and that's bringing on mourning in you. Or it's the loss of that valuable thing that was handed down from generation to generation and now for whatever reason, it's gone. But you see, Jesus is not talking about that kind of mourning in that passage. You know, I love, there's a the translation of the Bible, it's called the message. It's kind of like a modernized translation of the scriptures. It, it sometimes is really helpful And I think it helps us understand what Jesus was originally saying to us in a way we can hear it. Listen to the message translation of 5.4. Listen to this. It says, you're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. Perhaps this morning, you're feeling that something is missing-ness, right? Like maybe that's what you walked into this space feeling this morning. 
And the thing that we're missing, it's, it's as Augustine said, it's happiness. As Paul said, it's, it's righteousness, right? And the only way to fill that, well, it's the one most dear to you. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. I'm certain that there are those of us here this morning who are, we're in that non-religious camp, right? We've been feeding ourselves with all this stuff and we've come up empty. If that's you this morning, listen. Like Jesus is calling you to something more this morning. I, I promise you that. You know, I'm certain there's also those of us here, we've been part of the faith for a long time. We've said our whole lives, like we are followers of Jesus, we're Christians. But perhaps whatever has happened in life, the drift has, has happened, right? We find ourselves further and further away from God. We're not praying anymore. The word is not a part of our lives. We're just simply lost doing something else. Maybe we're consuming to try to fill that hole in us. Or, or maybe it's like, no, I'm just going to follow the rules of life and like that's going to be the thing that gets me there. And maybe you're in that season where you're like, it's not working for me anymore. Look for you. Jesus says, come back to me. Come back to me. Be filled by me. He longs to fill your soul missing this. Jesus wants to fill it for you this morning. I'm going to guess that this morning there are some of us in the room where God right now is calling you to something more. To something more. Here's what we're going to do. In a moment, I'm going to pray. I'm just going to pray that the Spirit enter this space and God does his work on hearts like God can only do. And when I say amen, I'm going to challenge you to do something hard if that's you. If you're one of those people that's kind of been away from the faith, right? Like you grew up in it and you're just not really there anymore and, and you're feeling like, man, like it's time. Or if you're one of those people that you're just not in the faith and you're looking for something and like maybe Jesus for the first time would mean something to you. When I say amen, I'm going to invite you to do something bold. When I say amen, I'm going to invite you, if you're one of those people, to stand up and to walk to the back of the room. There's going to be a song playing. Worship will be playing. And I invite you to take um, a piece of paper right there at the prayer wall and just write down simply, I believe. I believe. For some of you, it's coming home for the first time. For some of you, it's coming home again. And Jesus is waiting for you to come. I challenge you, if you're feeling that this morning, be bold. Go to the prayer wall. Spend 20 seconds with the Lord. I believe. Put it in the wall. If that's not you this morning, and you're like, no, like I am on fire for Jesus. Like I'm, I'm there, I'm in it. For the next couple of minutes, I... Uh, would challenge you to just take those minutes and pray. Pray for the Spirit to do the Spirit's work in this space. Pray that God would soften a heart and someone would have the boldness to stand up and go to that wall and have a new faith in relationship with the Lord. Amen.
Spirit's up to something. Let's pray. God, this morning, your spirit is so tangible. God, for some of us this morning, we've been astray for a long, long time. And today, you might be calling one of us back to you. For some of us, we haven't known you at all, God, and today you might be calling one of us to you for the first time. God, send your spirit. Soften hearts. Make yourself known. Invigorate us with a boldness to do your will, to follow you, to go after you, to walk to the back of the room and pray. Holy Spirit, come. We pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord raise his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord raise his countenance upon you and give you peace, church. Amen?